Welcome to the Kelly Cardenas Podcast, where attitude is everything. On today's show, I've been excited. I had to reschedule on this young man, and I felt so bad. And uh, the, one of the first things that I said to him right when he got on the uh, call today is that I'm going to force him to be my friend for the rest of his life. He paused a little bit, then he chuckled. And I don't know if he's down with this, but he doesn't understand what he just got into. Um, this man is such an inspiration. I mean, even just in the title of the show today, Keep On Pushing, um, this man embodies it. And when we talk about attitude determines altitude, I believe that we have probably one of the best examples and one of the best motivational speakers in the world. Um, author, motivational speaker, philanthropist. Um, he does rule his household, uh, although I think his wife will tell you, us that uh, she rules the household, uh, got five children and has a, a foundation called keeponpushing.org uh, and uh, just making a difference in the world. And also too, guys, this was such a huge thing for me. Um, I grew up with a, a movie called Cool Runnings. And those of you who know about that story about the Jamaican bobsled team that made it, uh, went to the Olympics. And this man was a founding member of that. Uh, so please welcome to the uh, show, Mr. Devin Harris. Hey, Kelly, it's, it's great to be hanging out with you, man. Now, you know, I was really nervous about being your friend for life, but since you call me a young man, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to slide in the, in the Fred column there, so thank you. <laughs> well, I want to I jump right in, man. I mean, you're uh, like the, the whole thing, you know, you hop on your website or you see you, it's, it's all about keep on pushing. I know it's a, uh, you know, kind of a play on words, but your attitude to, to be in a, uh, in, to grow up where you did in Jamaica, and to think mm -hmm. that you could be on a bobsled team where there's no snow, there's no ice, there's no nothing. Talk to us about where that mentality came from and how you're able to keep it going as you move along. Yeah, you know, I think it's something that we all have potential. It's all in, 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 in it's inside all of us. If you think about just, uh, just the way we live our lives, right? On how we're born and we were, came out of the womb and we were crawling around. And one day we decided that it was time to walk. And it may be a little bit difficult for us to remember our own personal experiences, but you have seen kids, right? Toddlers who they, and the fear, I have five kids, so I know I've seen this like at least five <laughs> times up close, right? The, the fear on their faces as they try to stand, right? And then when they try to take that first step, right? And they, they, they never succeed the first try, but you know what, Kelly, they never stop. You know, I don't know not one person in the world who go, you know, this this walking thing, ah, it's too hard. It's scary. You know, we all stretch out of our comfort zone. But somewhere along the line, down the road, you know, we as we start learning more about the world and we still have these dreams, these things we want to experience and achieve, and we realize it's a little bit difficult, it's a little bit scary we pull back. And my goal is to say to people, no, you have to keep pushing. You have to keep on pushing yourself. Um, so it's, so, so I, I wanted, I wanted to say that because I wanted people to know that, no, it's not just because I'm a bobsledder. You actually have that in your life as well. Um, but you know, the, this kind of keep on pushing thing, I, I blame my grandmother, man. Um, I spent my early years with her and she would tell me these amazing stories and the, the stories that kind of, had the greatest impact on me, although I can't remember the details, were the ones she told me about soldiers and the amazing things they could do, the feet they could perform and not get hurt. I'm like, man, I don't know if I can do that, but I want to do it. And so that inspired me to want to join the army, but more importantly, it inspired me to want to take on things, go pursue results that other people thought were incredibly difficult, if not impossible. And the way you do that, dude, is that you have to push. So talk to me, though, about this, because, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of people um, that you speak to and do you believe that every single person that uh, can do it or do you believe that there has to be something in that person that you're drawing out? So I believe every one of us have the ability uh, to become that which we aspire to be. There's no doubt. Now, do some people well, actually all of us need help, right? But some more than others. I think some of us are, uh, I was about to say more naturally motivated, but what is true is that we are able to connect more with the reasons why we want this thing. And, you know, uh, started to sound a little bit cliche, but you know, they say, if you have enough uh, why, uh, you'll figure out the how, uh, you know, so 
once you have this thing in your heart and mind and soul and your blood and you go man i really want this whatever that goal is um you you're going to push to get it done so devin talk to me about this too because um what i notice with all people who you know accomplish amazing things like there's very few people who are going to accomplish the things that you did as far as number one just being an olympian okay so let's Mm -hmm. let's break a couple things down number well Let's go to the even negative one, be, being an author, being a motivational speaker, being a motivational speaker is the, the largest fear of humans on earth. Most people will talk about writing a book. They won't do it. Um, then even less people will become an Olympian. Even less people will become an Olympian for life, which you got in, I believe it was 2018 or uh, somewhere around there. So, yeah, yeah. but how much of that was you growing up with humble beginnings? Because my dad used to tell me this story that he grew up on, uh, you know, they, they had very little. He was chopping wood, wood all the time. And when someone would want to fight him at his school, he would laugh because these kids, he said, were in the weight room or they were maybe pressing some weights, but he was picking up logs. So he had no problem taking care of these kids because they were very, yeah. very small challenges. How much of your humble beginnings created a foundation for you to be able to push through the things that you did? You know, um, when I was growing up, you know, you know, I had some fun times uh, growing up, but there were generally I, I didn't like it because I was poor and uh, lived in a impoverished and violent neighborhood and just felt uh, th- this constant sense of lack. Right. Um, but I think I was blessed with this burning ambition to do something more. And and so um, starting from where I started out and looking out, um, and I talk about that all the time. And, you know, my big, the big driving force for me was to become an army officer, not even an Olympian. That was secondary. Um, and that was like a world away, two worlds away. Uh, but it drove me to want, uh, you know, again, blame my grandmother for pl- planting these crazy seeds in my head. Um, but I was just really motivated to make that happen. And what I realized, though, is that, and I, and, I, and I use this line often in my speeches, I say, go as far as you can see, for when you get there, you'll see further. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I was growing up uh, in the hood, I could never have imagined you and I having this conversation, you calling me, you know, a motivational speaker and author. And all. that was not, not in my vision. Um, but as I, I, I remember, uh, 21 years old, I was an army officer and I'm having this intense conversation with myself. I'm like, so you've achieved your grand dream. You're an army officer. What the hell are you going to do with the rest of your life? Is this it? I'm like, oh yeah, the Olympics. Cause I really did want to compete in the Olympics, not the winter Olympics, the summer Olympics. And, um, so it's just, just you know, one thing led to another, and that's a thing with all of our lives. You, you can't necessarily, you can imagine, uh, and you should imagine and dream and push hard to achieve those dreams. But once you have gotten to the top of that mountain, you can see more, more things that you can do. Um, so, you know, don't give up on life. Life has so much to offer. And, and if you just dare to be like that little kid who is learning to take their first step, and feeling the trepidation and the nervousness and and take the step anyway. And you might fall as a child does, as we all do. Um, you know, every successful person you see deals with those fears, but they, um, they, they act courageously. That's, and that, that simply means that you're scared to death, but you do it anyway, man. <laughs> and you'll be surprised to see how it works out. So tell me, Devin, because... Like, tell me some about some circumstances that you went through that now when you go through a, a challenge, right? When you come upon a challenge that you look back and you say, well, I mean, it's, it's kind of like, uh, you know, with, with David, right? When David went to slay Goliath, most people don't talk mm-hmm. about the fact that he said, uh, I've already killed some lions. I've already killed some bears. So this dude, he's no challenge to me. Talk exactly. to us about, talk to us about your lions and your bears that you slayed to when you get to the challenges, whether it be the pandemic, whether it be, you know, challenges in business or challenges here or there mm. that your grandmother already got you ready for and your skin was so thick to be able to push through those things. Um, talk to us about some of the specifics. You know, so I think about, um, first of all, the dream of 
trying to become an army officer as a kid from the hood and how difficult that was um, on so many different levels, right? It's an incredibly challenging um, pro uh, process, three days of, of testing. You know, when I went, there were 33 of us. I was a top pick of only three who were selected, who were selected, you know, but then just the, the, the psychological aspect of, hey, I don't even know if I'm good enough. I'm, for, I'm a kid from the middle of the ghettos. Will they want me, right? And so you have to um, work past that first uh, and major hurdle, uh, that psychological hurdle to even try, right? Step out of your comfort zone. And then going through the crucible of that and then going through the crucible of military training. You know, I was trained at the Royal Military Academy, Sandhurst. And so I had this in, in the UK. So I, I, I was dealing with, so many different layers of issues, right? One, the first time out of Jamaica. So I'm a, I'm a, I'm a foreign, I'm a, I'm a black guy in a white world. I'm a, I'm a ghetto kid in the most prestigious military training school in the world. And at the same time, I'm dealing with the, the physical and the psychological challenges of the training itself, right? And then I become, a, I then trial for the bobsled team. And I remember clearly, um, as I was doing in the very early days of bobsledding and how, dude, how challenging it was. I remember going to myself, oh, I've seen this movie before because I, I would mentally go back to my military training. And uh, these times when we went through these intense, long, intense periods of work with very little rest. And that's what the early days of bobsledding was like. So I was always able to mentally go back there. Um, and then just like, so, so every new challenge that comes up, I'm able to go back and go, yeah, but, yeah, I've seen this movie before, you know, so the pandemic comes and I, and, and I, I'm looking at my own personal story, but I'm also thinking broader. So, you know, as a motivational speaker, as you know, the world shut down. So there was no traveling. I wasn't going on in a speaking stage. And I remember thinking to myself, well, it had to be even more difficult for those people during the great depression and they made it. So if they made it, I can make it too. And uh, quite frankly, uh, uh, despite the, mm, the discomfort of going through uh, the pandemic and seeing your revenue dry, dry up and all that stuff, dude, I was, not as, I was not hungry. I was about to say I was not as hungry as when I was growing up. I was not hungry. I wasn't homeless. I lived in a, I, you know, I still lived in a, comfort, in a comfortable house uh, with food on the table. What can I complain about? There's that's where the gratitude comes in, right? Grateful for every, all the blessings. So I think there's a choice, right? There's, there's the choice with the gratitude or the anger, right? So when you come from mm -hmm. humble beginnings, and when I say humble beginnings, you you said it. You said it. You grew up in the ghetto. Um, mm -hmm. You know, there was it, it was little to no means when you were growing up. Um, this kind of forges things. How are you able to take a person that hasn't been in those types of situations because for you it was a matter of survival am i correct it was a matter of like it wasn't like oh am i going to get organic milk or regular milk it was am i uh, you know maybe i'll put some water on it you know what i mean so exactly. when you're when you're speaking and and this goes let's transfer into whether it be speaking to your audiences or even speaking to your children because your children right now you know when there's tough times and i find this with my kids too when my kids have tough times, those were my dreams when I was growing up, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. How, how mm -hmm. are you able to impart that? Or can you manufacture that type of desire and fire in someone if they haven't gone through that same crucible? No, it's kind of funny. I was just thinking about this this morning, you know, of, of the many times my kids open the fridge that is filled with food. I go, <laughs> oh, there's nothing to eat. It's like... If only you knew what that really means, right? Nothing to eat, right? There's the pantries full of food and, and so on and so forth. So what I know is that all of our, all our, all our challenges and experiences are different. Um, the success principles remain constant. Uh, they are universal. And you don't necessarily have to have the challenging, unsavory experiences that I had earlier on to say, hey, um, I still want to, whatever it is that you want to accomplish and become, uh, there's still a learning curve. There's still uh, some uphill climbs. Nobody but nobody is immune from those things. Um, and so like with my kids, my focus has always been to, 
and they'll tell you that, that how is the school work, how we're doing in school. Um, you know, that I'm a stickler for that because I just so I so I tell kids all the time, mine and others, what you're doing in school now is learning how to learn. Um, and so, uh, yeah, it's tedious. It's not always fun. Um, I love playing. I love sports, but I actually did enjoy school as well. Um, but you're learning how to learn uh, uh, because you now you can take those skills that you use in school to go uh, take on a brand new career, something that you didn't, you know, earlier in your life, you didn't think that you would have any interest in, right? And I've, and I've seen that play out in my life. I mean, who would have thought that I would have been an author? I talk all the time. The teachers would say, when you write an essay, reread it. I'd go, why the hell would I reread it? I just wrote it, right? And, <laughs> and I never did. And now I see the wisdom of that in writing emails and articles and books and speeches, right? You have to reread the thing. So you're learning those skills. But uh, more importantly, as I said earlier, you know, connecting with the reason, man, that that this goal is important to you. So uh, that's what I try to um, instill in my kids. That one of the things I, inst I try to instill in my audiences as well. Hey, um, connect with those reasons and recognize as well that regardless of your circumstances, you are the ones, you have to take what I call personal responsibility. You are the one who has to decide um, that you're going to make this move and push yourself forward to achieve. So take us to when the army happened, but you, you glazed it quickly. You said army and then you were like, and then I was on the bobsled team. But mm. we, we need to pause and we, we need to go into that part of mm. it there, Devin, because most people are like, okay, J Jamaica, I understand. Okay. I grew up in the ghetto, grandma being there. Mm -hmm. I want to be an officer in the military. Okay. I understand that. I go to the UK and then you say bobsled and we're like, hurt skirt, like stop. <laughs> Why the hell the bobsled team? Like, it wasn't like you grew up like, Hey, I'm going to be on the bobsled team. Take no. us, take us through that scenario. Yeah. So I, I, I told you, you know, I'm 21 years old walking down to the officer's mess and I'm having this intense conversation with myself about what the, what was I going to do with the rest of my life? Now that I've achieved this big thing, right. Of, of being an army officer. And then I go, Oh yeah, the Olympics. So at the time I ran 800 and 1500 meters. I was a middle distance runner. Yeah. I'm from Jamaica. Speed is relative, right? You could be pretty fast. But if you're in Jamaica, you might not be <laughs> pretty fast. So I was one of those guys who struggled to win uh, sprints. And uh, and I, you know what? I, I, I look back now and I realize I was impatient. I think if I'd been a little bit more patient, I would have blossomed into maybe not Usain Bolt, but a decent sprinter. But I ran middle distances. And so that was my dream. So I started, once I had that conversation with myself, I started training. I started running five miles before I, I reported for duty, thinking I could get fit enough. This was 1987, and the Olympics were coming up in Seoul, Korea in 1988. So I'm thinking maybe I can get fit enough for that. And then I go run this cross-country race, and they're like, oh, my God, he's fit. So run about the time, the same time, two Americans uh, who lived in Jamaica came up with the idea to start the bobsled team, couldn't get sprinters on the summer team to do it because it's... I, you have to agree, it's an idea out of left field, field right? It's your brain, like, what? Um, so they came to the army. And um, when I first heard this, I'm like, man, this is one of the most ridiculous ideas ever conceived by man. And I, and I remember saying, nobody could ever get me to go on one of those things. I'm not doing it. But then the colonel told me to go to the team trials. So... I'm going to the team trials. It's not like I have a choice. I am going to the team trials. And the way I'm wired, Kelly, is like, I'm not the dude to just participate, to also run, you know. I'm, I'm going to the team trials. So now the question is, how the hell am I going to make this team? Because I didn't feel like I was fit enough. And I was what I described as army fit. I could walk 100 miles with 50 pounds on my back and a rifle in my hand. But I hadn't done any real sports training for two years. But, you know, um. And that's kind of where, you know, mindset comes into play. Because I remember thinking to myself, well, I don't have enough time to train to get fit enough in my head um, to do this thing. So I remember going down to the, the track on the armor base, the running track, 
and running and sprinting 30, 60, 100 meters just to see what it felt like. I'm like, okay, so this is what it feels like. Because I know when I went to the, when I go to the team trials, I'm going to give a 150% um, effort. Um, so I just went, man. I just went. And obviously, you have to put your body through the, uh, the physical paces, but that mentally, I was just like so determined to make it. And so I went through the paces, and I think they liked my smile, and they selected me. Um, so I, I um, so in short, I got selected. I actually, in the test, I, I speak about this all the time. One of the tests was what they call a push test with a makeshift sled on wheels, and I ended up having the two fastest pushes, faster than the fastest sprinter that was there. So the, so um, that's how we got selected in September of 87. And then we uh, eventually went to Lake Placid later that month, September 87. And we saw a bobsled track and a bobsled for the first time. <laughs> Mind you, the Olympics are in February. And the... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Keep going, keep going. Yeah, so um, I remember um, that weekend in Lake Placid, the American team was there practicing their starts on the ice rink and they invited us to practice with them. And dude, we spent more time on our butts that was spent pushing the sled. And I remember thinking to myself, wow, this bobsled thing is harder than I thought. I mean, if I can't walk on ice, how the hell am I gonna run on ice? Um, but you know, as I've had the benefit uh, of, of hindsight, looking back at that experience, what I realized now, um, how powerful my mindset was at the time because I never said, well, this bobsled thing is too hard. I can't do it. I said, it's harder than I thought. And a lot of times when we step out to go do something and, you know, we're stretching, pushing ourselves out of our comfort zone and we can't do it, but we forget to add dot, dot, dot yet. I can't do it yet. I don't know how to do it yet but you can learn how to do it you can figure out how to do it you can develop the skills so that you can eventually do it so you start like the baby can i go back to that example they don't know how to walk yet you and i at one point in our life did not know yet how to walk but we never go this this walking thing is too hard I think we're going to stay here, right? We just kept trying. And sometimes you crashed like we did, but it didn't uh, deter us. We just kept going. So I find this, I mean, you're one of the top motivational speakers in the world and you have five children. What I find is, well, I've never found a, a person that motivates the world and their kids actually listen to them. So talk to us about, not to say your kids don't love you and all the stuff, but when you tell them to set goals, that it's as simple as these goals to keep on pushing, talk to us about your children and what they say to pop, because you're just pop to them. You are not yeah, the Olympian. Exactly. You're not the author. You're not the motivational speaker. I, I have celebrity. So, how much do you have? I have so many stories. You know, my, my, my daughter, um, she was maybe seven or so, and she were, we were in the driveway. She was shooting hoops, and she wasn't hitting the basket, and she was frustrated, and she started to cry. And you think that as a loving, caring dad, I would hug her and go, oh, honey, it's fine. I, instead, I go, if at first you don't succeed, what should you do? And she's like, she's wiping tears away and said, try and try and try again. I'm like, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but she started hitting them and after a while, you know. Um, I remember she, she, now she was older and I was trying to talk to her and encourage her. She goes, don't motivate me now. Don't motivate me now, you know. Uh, <laughs> my, my son, uh, I'd done my, uh, written my children's book and I'd gone to his school, uh, to his class actually, to, to read the book and to speak to the kids. And he told me before, and, and again, he's probably seven. And it's like, don't embarrass me. I'm like, and I'm like, how am I going to embarrass him, right? So I go do my thing, and I go up to him afterwards, and the kid slapped me in the face. Pow! I told you not to embarrass me. 
<laughs> uh, Devin, tell me about, talk to me about your wife too, because, you know, again, when you're in the motivational space, when you're mm. in the inspirational space, and when you impact the amount of lives that you do, um, a lot of times in the, in the marriage, I, I love it because our wives will hold us accountable to who we are as opposed to what we do. Mm-hmm. Can you yeah. unpack that a little bit? Yeah, you know, I'd say, first of all, my wife is amazing, man. She, um, she's from Grenada. I'm from Jamaica. And uh, so we Jamaicans, you know, we, well, she claims that we behave like we are the uh, God gifts of the Caribbean. I'm like, of course. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, uh, you know, incredibly supportive, you know, I'm on the road a lot and, um, and, and she holds down the fort at home. Um, and yeah, and so sometimes um, she does uh, take me to task, and I get a, a little, you know, upset about something. And she go, "Oh yeah, Mister Motivational Speaker, <laughs> you know, you know, inspire us, that kind of thing." So yeah, she's uh, she, she she's she uh, keeps me accountable, as De- it were. Devin, who gets to see you in the valley? Because you talked about it earlier, and I want to go back there. You said that you know you you climb the mountain, you're on the top of the mountain, um, you're able to see further. But uh, this whole world isn't made up of mountains. We go from yeah. mountaintop, and then we could see, and then we have to go through the valley to get to the other mountaintop. Who mm-hmm. experiences Devin when he's in the valley, and what do you do to be able to get out of it? Um, well, that's a really good question. You, I, I, so obviously my. Mm, most of my wife sees me in the valley. I, I'm really good at hiding that, that stuff. Um, I deal with it on my own. Um, I really, I just, I just do. But I don't know why that 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 is. Um, so I often equate that experience to um, a boxer. If I could change metaphors, you know, um, and you'll see a guy in the ring, and he is. He, he gets through 15 rounds or 10 rounds or whatever, right? And he wins, but he never escapes without getting hit. Uh, sometimes getting getting his clock clean, right? And he doesn't go, oh my God, this is, this hurts, it's too hard. He, he absorbs that, he embraces the hurt, and then he just, you know, like take a deep breath and he comes out swinging. He just, he endures. Um, he just hangs in there. And that's, that's, kind of how I see it. That's how I deal with those challenging times. That's like, you know, this too shall pass. You know, the the the, the round is going to come to an end and I can catch a, a breather uh, so I can come out swinging again. Um, but yeah, uh, I you know, my 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 wife again has been one of those um, uh, pillars where um, I'm able to share, you know, some things with her um, just... Um, and, and you know that it's uh, if I if I'm doing that is as uh, wow this is really challenging and I just need to you know vocalize some of it um, but for the most part I'm, I just I think it's perhaps because of how I grew up uh, in that environment where you just kind of hold it in you kind of be the tough dude you know uh-huh. um, you can't show weakness um, kind of thing um, that has that has just that has stayed with me uh, to be honest. So who motivates the motivator? Motivator, geez. Um, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Uh, I'm, I'm going to make a distinguish, distinction between motivation and inspiration. <laughs> um, I, I motivate me. Okay, yeah, you motivate, motivate you. Me. Yes. Yeah, because I'm just, I'm just unwilling to do without that which I want, man. Like if I I want it, if I didn't want it, then I wouldn't be striving for it. So since I want it, there there's a reason inside here why I want it, and it's a little bit hard to get. But if I quit, then I'm 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 doing without it, and I'm back where over here miserable. So um, I'm just unwilling to stop. I am inspired though by stories, by people. Um, of course, we know many. Yeah, kind of famous, well-known, uh, you know, uh, celebrities, etc. Um, but but I, and I'm inspired by them and their stories. Um, I'm inspired by the authors that I read. I'm in, but I'm also inspired by the dude I meet in the airport. 
and we're having a conversation and he's just, you know, average and ordinary Joe and he's going through some life issues or the, the woman that I'm talking to in the supermarket line, who's telling me a story about her life and how, because all of us have those stories where we have um, pushed and overcome and I'm, and I'm inspired by every one of those, you know, um, I just turned, I just was online a couple of days ago and I don't remember his name and his, and I, but I saw another article about him today. A one-handed basketball player, dude. He's at a Christian academy, and it's just—it's one of the strangest scenes, right? I, I, I think all for all of us who see that one guy, the dude is bad, right? And so here's an example of somebody who goes, who uh, didn't say, "I only have one hand; I can't play." Hmm. We all have a responsibility to uh, push ourselves out of our circumstances. Uh, years and years ago, I read, um, and, I'm par- and I'm paraphrasing, but a truly great man, truly great woman, is the one who has found a way to overcome their particular circumstances. My circumstances are going to be different from yours. You know, you cannot look at me and go, well, if I was experiencing yours, I'd be okay. And I can't look at yours and say, if I was in your situation, I'd be fine we each have to figure a way out of our particular circumstances. So, so when I see somebody uh, overcoming theirs, it inspires me. Well, Devin, what I, what I found, and this is uh, you know a generalization, but the generalization is about 99.9% uh, as I've studied people throughout my life, is every time someone aligns themselves with their gift, which you obviously have, when you speak, you speak life into people. It's not like you have to train to be a motivational speaker and you had seven things that are six things or five things that you had to go through to be able to become a motivational speaker. You're inspiring people on a completely different level just because you're telling your story, you're telling your truth, and you're mm-hmm. in line with the gifts that were given to you. Now, in that, what I find is when I find a person who is in line with their gifts, most of the time, they are giving a gift to the world that they thirsted for, whether it been as a kid or yeah. as a, a adolescent. What is this career and this 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 lifestyle that you're doing now out there motivating all the people? What is that doing for little Devin? Um, what what you know, gift is it giving back to you? Yeah, it's it's it's. Actually, I think I'm uh, repaying the gifts of those people who poured themselves into me, starting with my grandmother and, uh, and you know, following up with the obvious parents who were supportive um, uh, in their own way. I'm going to qualify that only because, you know, I, you know, I grew up in a time when your dad didn't hug you and say, I love you, son. <laughs> it was like, slap you up the side of the head and go, you know, kind of thing, you know. Um, but but then teachers as well who who validated you man who uh, made made you want to work and who praised you for um, when you did well and 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 who chastised you when you didn't do so well you know I talk about Miss Johnson remember who, who uh, back in the days when kids would get whipping and she she said some words to me and I wish she had whipped me because she just pissed me off you know it's like. <laughs> But it was like, but but it 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 just burned a fire. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna show you, right? Right. So maybe beating me would have been the easier way, but she um, chastised me in a way that just um, spurred me to go go get it. Um, uh, and I, so those people who believed in me uh, in that respect, I, I, I see, uh, and especially my you know my work with my foundation back at my elementary school, I see myself in those kids, man. You know, I am them, and uh, you know, I, I know they will not. They'll definitely not become the first uh, member of the Jamaican bobsled team. They may never even become bobsledders, but they can become whatever they want to be. They can blaze their own trails. They have the same potential um, to blaze their own trails, and so I, I pour myself back into those things so that I, uh, in the end. Um, you know, history may remember that there was this dude called Devon Harrison, the Jamaica bobsled team, maybe. Um, but more importantly, if I can do something to help one of these kids, 
then they can then go pour themselves into somebody else and the, you know the, the 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 cycle continues how is it as a father because when you are such a giving person my my father was a, a very very and always has been a very very giving person when i mm-hmm. was growing up though sometimes it was challenging for me because we would be at the the dinner table and we lived on the side of the freeway and you know, people would break down and my dad would get up from our dinner and go help these people. And mm-hmm. he'd be helping these people all night through the night, but we were sitting at the table like, and yeah. as a young kid, there was times where I was thinking, man, pop, like, or we would be on a family, you know, not that we were going on vacation because we didn't have no money, right, right. but we'd be mm-hmm. doing something. And then someone would need something. He would just run and just make sure that everyone is good and take care of the family and all this stuff. Now I see all the value in it. But then I didn't. How were you able to translate that and communicate that to your kids when you are as giving as you are and you're giving to all these people and making the world a better place? And sometimes as a kid, we're like, well, why don't you just stay here for a little bit? How are you able to communicate? Because you do it well and you have a phenomenal family. You have an amazing wife. Um, We need some tips on this, Devin, because you're doing it at a high level, man. Dude, I, I wish I could give you like this is a one, two, three, but I don't have that, um, and I don't necessarily verbalize that often to my kids. I think, which is what I'm hearing from you as well, that the, the most powerful ways in which your dad um, spoke to you was through his actions. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I am certainly one of those who give. Um, maybe to a fault. Uh, sometimes I'm like, yeah, I'm I'm the guy who likes to say yes and go. Maybe I shouldn't have said yes to that, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. Um, but but I I I understand the importance of kind of balancing everything to include uh, time with your family. Um, but the thing that I'm like really excited and proud about is the the. I know my kids are seeing me. They are watching me, and they're seeing all the efforts that I'm doing back in Jamaica and they go and they see something like, is that for Jamaica? I'm like, yeah. And they're okay. Uh, you know, and so they're, they're learning through the power of that example uh, of, of, you know, serving and, and helping and not, not, and being altruistic, not being all for yourself. How do you communicate to your wife that she's loved, that she is uh, appreciated and that she, that you see her? And say, uh, you remember when I told you I love you? Right, same thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, other than saying it, man, uh, you know, um, so every now and again, you know how women are, man, like she's complaining about, uh, oh, she needs some help cleaning the house. I'm like, are you really saying that to me? Because, dude, I do so much. I I, I do everything. I In fact, I, I, I cook more than my wife does in the house. You know, and I, I clean up, I help with the kids, I do. So all of those little, all of those little things, I don't know if they're little things or big things, but all of those things that, you know, how um, some men will like divvy up the duties, like, you know, I'm not going to do the laundry and that's for you. No, that's not me. That's not, I'm not one of those guys. And then of course, you know, just, um, you know, um, the, the, the flowers and taking her for dinner and that kind of stuff. Just try to make her feel... Like she's my girl, you know what I mean? What do you think that she doesn't hear enough? That's a really good question. Um, me verbalizing, I appreciate you or you're appreciated. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's something I need to work on more. So with your foundation, like what's the what's the Star Wars for you? Um, if I would have told young Devin, uh, number one, like I said, like we talked about before, that you're going to be an officer in the military, that you're going to be an Olympian. You're going to be a lifetime Olympian, which very, very few people are. And we didn't even stop. Dude, I'm, to- I'm put, like, I always thought that was an Olympian for life. <laughs> no, but I mean, that that's incredible, though. You got that. You got that award. And then they gave me that title. I'm like, oh, OK, fine. Thank you. I take it. <laughs> well, that's an act. That's an added extra that you got. You know what I mean? I would ask them for a medal every time that there's Olympics. Then that's what I would yeah, do. I mean, like, you know what oh, I mean? So if yeah, we were anyway. if we were to talk to young uh, young um, Devin in Jamaica, um, and say you know all these things, you would have been like, "Wow, that's cra- that's amazing. That's that's too far, too much for me to be able to fathom right now." 
what is too much for you to be able to fathom about your foundation and about your life right now as we move forward? Dude, that too much? It, it can't be too much. Um, I don't think it's... Um, I, would just, I think young Devon would have been incredulous. Um, but remember, I say, go as far as you can see. When you see it, when you get there, you'll see further. And so if you had asked young Devon what he'd be doing today, he'd tell you, oh, I'm going to be in the army. Um, but then young Devon got a little older and, and started to see more of the world and go, oh, so there's all of this out there too. Wow, I want some of that, <laughs> you know, and... So it went from young Devon seeing that the army is like, oh my God, if I could get that, I would not want anything more to like, oh, so this army thing is cool, but oh my God, there's so much more, right? So, uh, and that is what I'm, I'm hoping, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping to instill in my own kids and all these kids in the foundation as well that, hey, um, I, I know from your vantage point right now, you can only see out there and that's fine. That's okay go for it and, and i realize how difficult that uh seem as well but go for it because i promise you when you get out there it's going to look so much better man you're going to see so much more you're going to go wow i so i can get that too oh well i, I want some of that so it's never in, too much for me it's never and i, I don't want some greedy it's just like you know we have such tremendous potential man i, I want to figure out you know part of my keep on pushing philosophy is this business of being curious about what it is that you could possibly accomplish if you just try. Jesus, just try, man. <laughs> just try. So what, what's, the, what's the thing for Devin, though? Like, you know, because hearing you, I mean, every person out there listening and all of you listening, you know that you're like me right now where you feel bad about yourself because you're like, wow, Devin is making a difference in the world. He's seeing global. He's seeing, he's got the foundation. He's working with kids. And it's like, sometimes I just want the gifts for myself. You know what I'm saying? So what is that thing that is irresponsible, Devin? And I'm going to qualify this when people listen to it, because Devin's not irresponsible. Devin is not selfish. But I'm going to ask you to be selfish right now. What yeah. would Devin want? What would be the thing that you would be like, yeah, that's what I would want. It wouldn't impact the world. It wouldn't, you know, cure, uh, you know, hunger or whatever it is. But I yeah, just want to yeah. do it, and it's irresponsible, but I want that thing. What would that be? Just, I, you know, it would be traveling. Just, I love traveling. I love meeting people. Before I discovered motivational speaking, I thought I was going to be working in the hospitality industry. Um, and so now I say I, I live in hotels and I don't work in them. Um, you know, Where would you but, want to, like, when you say travel, like, is there a specific, like, for me, one of the places, one of the places, mm. and so they'll, like, all of you out there listening, Punta Mita, uh, Four Seasons, I, I, I want, I'm going to have you guys sponsor where, where the podcast. Where's that? It's down in Mexico. Okay. And, and I also want to do the four seasons in Maldives. That's where uh, those two. Now, those are just for me. I'm not going to yeah. help people out. I'm not going to motivate people. I'm not going to inspire them. I'm not yeah, recording the podcast from there. I'm not writing a book. I am going to lay at the, in Maldives at the four seasons and Punta Mita four seasons and have them spray me with Avion water and call me Mr. Cardenas, Devin, what is your what is your irresponsible just for you, you Devin? Are, you, are, you are so specific. It's not funny. Um, <laughs> I was having this very conversation this morning. My favorite place to visit is a place I haven't been to yet. Mm. Yeah. So, um, so, so if I had to choose one, it's kind of quirky. There are a couple of experiences I do want to have, though. Like, I like to see the Aurora Borealis. I just like to see the northern lights just, just, I've seen photos of it and I know it doesn't do it justice. So can I just see that? Um, you know, I like to sail through the fjords in Norway. I would like to, um, I think, is it, uh, which countries are those? Now? Like Denmark and, 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 and like whichever country borders it, like you can stand on a street or in a cafe and, and, and you see the line, right? Between, and you're standing in two countries at the same time. Yeah, yes. I think I want to do that. I think I want to do I just, it's, it's like nothing, but I want to do it, you know, just, but it's just those kind of, uh, kind of cool experiences. Okay. Outside um, of experience, give me a thing, a thing that oh. you want. I want, and I'll, I'll give you an example. Mm -hmm. I want 
a red Ferrari, like Magnum PI, old school Magnum PI. I want the short corduroy shorts, the OP corduroy shorts. I want to, I'll shave off my beard and just have a mustache. And I want to have that Ferrari just for the weekend, just for Mm. the weekend. What would you want? Irresponsible. And I don't want any like helping kids or giving away stuff or whatever it is. I'm saying I want like, I want irresponsible debt. It probably that your wife would be mad at you for getting. <laughs> <laughs> so if I, I was about to say a speedboat, but then she loves the water. And I, and the thing that I don't necessarily, I'm not a water guy. Um, it would be a plane, man. Mm. Uh, uh, my own private jet. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That is it. They're right there, dog. You, you just mentioned it. My <laughs> own private jet, man. Because I'm, so, I'm not, I'm not, it's kind of funny because she would prefer me getting a boat. And I'm like, no, I'm not feeling the boat. I like my water frozen, so give me a private jet. <laughs> well, uh, this, this uh, I, I love it because, guys, there's a company out there that's listening right now, whether you own the company or you work with the company, that can get this man, to have this man come and speak and and be in the Northern Lights, to go through in Norway, to be able yes. to be standing on the continents. Mm. You know that. And also... I'm speak for free just for that. Hey, there, there is a company out there with a private jet that will fly you in, and that's going to happen. And that all is right. going to happen. Now, I'm done. so all we need is the general manager of the Four Seasons in Maldives and Punamita to be able to holler at a brother to be on the podcast, and then that way we'll be staying there too. Um, right. So, Devin, I started the podcast because of iconic people like yourself. I mean, I grew up, and I mean, I heard of the legend of Devin, and if you're, if you had, if, if any of you out there that are listening have had the opportunity to be able to hear him speak live, I mean, obviously you're, you're a blessed person, but I started the podcast because of iconic people like yourself and I wanted to take you and I didn't want to talk about all the things that you did. I wanted to talk about who you were because mm. I wanted to show all uh, my kids. I have two children, Maddox and McKenna. Maddox is 10 and McKenna just turned 13. And I wanted yeah, to show them, what's that? You got some catching up to do. <laughs> so I know. I, I hey, hey, we went man-to-man defense. We didn't go zone like you. <laughs> and I wanted Maddox and McKenna to see that iconic people like yourself are not superheroes, that you're human beings, and that you have a phenomenal attitude, and you have incredible work ethic, and that's the reason why you get to do what you do. Mm-hmm. So what advice would you give to Maddox and McKenna? And if you could use both of their names, it would be amazing. So um, you kind of touched on it just now. Maddox and McKenna, I am 15 years old, just started running track, and it's 1979. It's a year before the 1980 Olympic Games in Moscow, uh, Russia, the former Soviet Union. And ABC Wild World of Sports had a series called Road to Moscow. And in it, they um, highlighted athletes from around the world, different um uh, disciplines and ethnicities and nationalities and so on and so forth. Now, I don't really remember any of the stories per se, but what I remember was, because when we think of Olympic athletes, we think of these superhuman beings. Um, but I saw um, very average and ordinary people. Uh, what was amazing about them, though, although they were average and ordinary, just like you and I, was that they had extraordinary dreams. And they had an equally extraordinary desire to accomplish those dreams. And that was where this idea of uh, becoming an Olympian was born for me. I'm like, well, anybody could become an Olympian then. Within reason, obviously, you need some talent. Uh, but if you have an extraordinary dream and an extraordinarily, equally extraordinary desire to accomplish it, how does that apply to you? Because you may not necessarily want to become an Olympian in the winter or summer Olympics but I'm sure you want to become an Olympian in life. And what that requires is for you to have an extraordinary dream and develop an equally extraordinarily desire and drive to accomplish it. And if you do that, yeah, you will be an Olympian in life. Devin, you have been absolutely phenomenal. I told you at the beginning of the podcast, as you guys heard it, everyone out there listening, or if you're watching, I told him I'm going to force him to be my friend for the rest of your life. And this, this rings true and you're not going to be able to get rid of me. Um, I want to thank you so much, seriously for, uh, you know, I really, a lot of people have asked me on the podcast before, can you send me out the questions? I don't send out questions because I want to know who you are as opposed to what you do. 
mm-hmm. because I think a lot of times people will craft and, and they, they stand behind what they do. But I want to compliment you, Devin, because who you are is right in line with all the things that you do. And you don't see that very often. And yeah. For every, com- for every company out there, if you haven't had Devin, you need to have him. You need to have him come and speak to your organization. You can imagine just the little bit that we got today, what you would get live. And especially if you're up near the Northern Lights, you got a private plane or you're in Norway, uh, you need to have this man there as often as possible. Now's the time where you know what you need to do. You need to click the links. You need to uh, check out all our sponsors. You need to do that. I want to name off a couple of them. Michael Mina. Michael Mina, uh, Devin, if you haven't eaten at Michael Mina, it's probably one of the greatest experiences, not just the food, but the service. I mean, this is top level and on a completely different level. It's all about building people. And, uh, you know, the other one is, uh, is Cardenas Law Group. That's in Las Vegas. And this, the, the slogan there, guys, is just that all, all it is is that they solve problems. They make sure that they put people first and take care of all those things. The rest of our sponsors are on the links. Uh, Devin, you have been absolutely amazing, and I want to ask you for one thing. Is that okay, Devin? Yeah, man, sure. Mm -hmm. I want want you to come on again. I want to have another time. You're you're taking this lifetime friendship thing way too far. (laughs) But you know what? Since you said I was a young man, I'm, I'm, I'm I'm going to have to do it. Okay, that, so. that, that's your get out of jail card right there, you know. <laughs> we, we will look for episode two. We will look for the second episode of this young man. And I, again, I want to thank you, man. You have been absolutely phenomenal. The one ask that we have with the podcast, guys, is that you share it. If you got any value from Devin, which every single one of you have, you need to check his books out. There's going to be links to all those things, links to his website. You need to check that out. But you need to share this with every single person out there that, uh, needs to keep on pushing. And I believe that's every human <laughs> on this planet. So Devin, I want to thank you again. You're officially off the hot seat, my man. Dude, uh, you know, thank you for having me. And I want to uh, thank you for the amazing work that you're doing, the amazing content uh, that you're putting out there in the world, because we do need it. And so I'm going to challenge and encourage your audience as well to continue to listen and to support because this is amazing work. Thank you so much, bro. You're amazing, Devin. Thank you so much, buddy. Oh, <laughs>